0: Hello RCC, my name is Ben Seaman and I serve on staff as our lead minister. As you can probably already tell, today is going to be a little different. Uh, That's because I'm shooting this sermon on location at a farm about an hour away from RCC, which will make sense in just a moment. About a month ago, we started our series, our journey really, through the Gospel of Mark uh, called The Way. And The Way is a descriptive term of the men and women and children who followed Jesus in the first century. Before the language of Christian or Christians was ever sort of developed throughout the first century Roman Empire, men and women and children that followed Jesus and his teachings were known as followers of the way. And so we spent the last month really talking about and asking the question, what is the way into the kingdom? And is Jesus a a figure, a God that we can actually trust, that we can actually follow that we can actually give our lives to and so we talked about the kind of leader that Jesus is we talked about the kind of kingdom that he brings forth through his announcement in Mark chapter 1 we talked about the kind of enemy that satan and demons are in this journey uh, with us and so today we're talking about and asking the question the way through what does it look like for us to navigate our life through the kingdom of God Uh, Now, many people, uh, religious or not, are just asking the question, how do I make it through life? And as followers of the way, we want to ask that question through the lens of the kingdom of God. And so today and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the way of growth, which will be our topic today. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how a Jesus follower, according to Jesus himself, invites us to grow which might be similar or different than what you might expect a few years ago i was a campus pastor uh, at a church in central illinois and our lead pastor jim powell was sharing a story with us in a staff meeting uh, just kind of highlighting talking about leadership Uh, He grew up in the summer going to his grandfather and grandmother's farm, and uh, admittedly, he said that he wasn't used to it. He was uh, sort of of a city boy, and there he was introduced to farming, to tractors, uh, to different uh, crops to raise, how to raise them, how to work the fields, and he was also introduced to the back-breaking work. Now, he enjoyed the mandatory afternoon naps and the big lunches, Uh, but if you're a farmer, you know how hard... It is to farm, but you also know how rewarding it is to farm to actually uh, get your hands dirty and to, to, to see the fruit of your work when it comes time uh, for the harvest. Now, our pastor, Pastor Jim, would also go uh, to his great uncle's farm just, just a short drive away from his grandfather's farm, but he would go there to hunt. And he rem- I remember him telling us a story that he would sit in his great-grandfather's uh, farm and wait for a deer uh, to shoot. Now, this was after the harvest. The stock were still there. But he thought to himself, this must be a really great farm. Well, fast forward 20 years. Uh, his great-grandfather had passed away. And unbeknownst to Pastor Jim, he was talking to a gentleman uh, at the funeral, and he told him, my great-grandfather, man, his farm must have produced a great crop. It, it has to have a great yield. And the gentleman sort of uh, didn't want to offend uh, Pastor Jim, but began to laugh. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, son, but your great-grandfather uh, does not have a great land. And, and I actually, I'm in the business of appraising farms when owners want to sell them. And, and your father, your, your great-uncle's land isn't worth a lot of money, and so Jim began to tell us. He was asking the man, like, "How is that possible? My my grandfather's farm always produces a great crop. They use the same seeds. They use the same process. Uh, they use they even use the same machinery. How is it possible that one farm produces a better yield, a better crop than the other farm?" And the gentleman told Pastor Jim, he said, "You're forgetting one element, and the difference." between your grandfather's farm and your great-grandfather's farm is the soil. You see, your great-grandfather, your great-uncle, I'm sorry, used a timber soil, which is not great at receiving seed. It's not great necessarily at developing and nurturing the seed for its fullest potential. That's why your grandfather's crop is greater or has a higher value than your great-uncle's crop. And he thought, like we thought, how is it possible to have two things so closely together in location that are supposed to do the same job, but yet produce a, or a different result? And, and we asked that question in the church world, How is it possible that you can have two churches in the same community, And one church is growing and thriving, people are coming to know the real Jesus, they're being baptized, they're taking next steps, and yet the other church down the street is having a conversation of, do we close our doors, or do we give it one school year? And Jesus says, well, the answer to that, it's the soil. It's not necessarily the building, it's not necessarily the location, although those things help, but it's the soil which is to say it's the culture of the church. Is the culture of a church a healthy culture? Does everybody have their own agenda, or is everybody unified in one mission? Or we might ask it this way, how is it possible for two couples to attend the same church, to go to the same service, to hear the same sermon? Maybe they're even in the same life group, and yet one couple is heading for divorce, and one couple is getting ready to celebrate 10 years, 30 years, four, even 50 years of marriage. And the answer is, it's the soil. It's the culture and the cultivating of their heart. And Jesus uses a first century uh, idea, a form of storytelling called a parable, which describes how we can grow in our trust, in our hope, and in our relationship with him. And he uses a very familiar at least to the first century farming analogy if you have your bibles you can turn to mark chapter four and in mark chapter four verse three jesus tells this parable or this story about how farming is a way of growth for us in verse three jesus says listen a farmer went out to sow seed as he scattered the seed some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Uh, Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, verse 9, he who has ears to hear let him hear. So the factor of pastor Jim's great uncle and his grandfather, the factor of healthy churches, the factor of healthy marriages, the fir- the factor of healthy people comes down to the kind of soil. And this is not a statement of do you believe in Jesus But are you even willing to receive him? These are two different things. There are a lot of people that believe the statements and the claims that Jesus made, but yet have not given him permission uh, to be receptive or we don't receive him in our lives. Uh, So it's important. I think there's three takeaways that we can take away from this parable. And the first is this, that healthy things grow. The big idea is healthy things grow Through life transformation, okay? And the first way of growth is this that the way of growth requires good soil. The way of growth requires good soil. And so it's not about church buildings, it's not about exterior things, it's about the heart. What kind of soil do we have in our heart? What kind of soil, which is to say, what kind of culture? does RCC have? What kind of culture does our church have? Is it a culture that is receptive to hearing the word of God? It is a culture that is excited to bring friends and to help people take next steps? Or is it a culture that fell on these different areas that basically are choked out, taken up, or completely gone because the soil uh, is really so shallow? It does come down to this question. Does our church, do we as individuals and do our Do do our marriages have actually good soil? I've heard it once said by a business leader that culture eats mission and vision or strategy for breakfast. I mean, you, you can have all the best plans to be the church that you wanna be. You can have the best plans to have the best marriage. You can have the best intentions for a lot of things in your life, but it comes down to culture. It comes down to the soil. Are we, are you, are we followers of Jesus that are open to not just believing the things that Jesus teaches, but actually are we willing to receive them? In the book of Numbers, Moses would often send out men to go ahead of them, uh, to go ahead of the Israelites to check out a piece of land, uh, to overtake the enemies. And so he would would send out the men, right? And he would ask, you know, are the men in that uh, area, are they weak or are they strong? Where, where does the water supply, where does the food supply come from? Are there uh, places that they can hide out, that they could you know, take advantage of us if and when we attack them? But he also asked this question. Moses also asked this question. He asked them to check the ground. Is the soil bad or is it fertile? It's an honest question because why would you, as a leader, take ground if you know that the people that you're leading can't live off of it? It's so important to think about that because it matters, the soil in our lives. Is it good and is it receptive? So not only does the way of growth require good soil, the way of growth also requires a response. Now, we're given a gift here. Uh, Jesus is often asked to give answers to the parables that he says and he doesn't always uh, uh, grant that he doesn't always give an answer uh, for the parable that he teaches and so but he does here and we kind of get uh, a vip pass to what jesus is actually talking about and so i want to read that for us today in mark chapter 4 verse 13. mark says then jesus said to them don't you understand this parable how then will you understand any parable the farmer sows the word some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown as soon as they hear it satan comes out and takes away the word that was sown in them others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once received it with joy but since they have no root there's no depth they've lost their way when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away Verse 18, but still others like seeds sown among the thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires of things to come, they come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. You see, in the first century, a farmer would take his seed and sort of cast it out, onto the field now that's where we get the English word or the English idea of broadcasting and a, and a sower in the first century was was another name for a teacher so what Jesus is telling us is he's saying I have some teachings for you it's my desire that they be cast out or broadcast to the entire world now you think about the medium that we have with technology we've gone from farming to the printing press to social media And it's very quickly accessible for us to get any sort of message out to the masses. But what Jesus is most interested in in is when my teaching lands in the hearts of men and women, will it actually be received? So a farmer in the first century, step one would be to take the seed and throw it out into his field because uh, the way of growth requires a response. And in, in this text we just read, are several different responses that people have to the message of Jesus. Now, it's not limited to this, but at least it's helpful for our discussion today. In my late 20s, early 30s, I came across a book called Spirit-Controlled Temperament. And in the book, the the author proposes that everybody is born with one one of four temperaments, a dominant one and a recessive, recessive one. Now, when we ask is this person introverted or extroverted? We're asking the question of their personality, meaning what they think they should be in front of people. But your temperament is your nature. It's what you're born with, as the book proposes. And one of the things that helped me with the book is that it talks about your given temperament also relates to how you naturally thrive in your relationship with following Jesus, but also some of the struggles. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here as he's explaining the passage. He says, I've got a teaching, right? I've got a teaching called the kingdom of God. It's a new way to be human. It's a new way to think about life and to do life. But then he says, there, there, there are some people that are sort of like the path where they hear the gospel, they hear about the kingdom of God, but yet the devil or a bird is so quick to pick up that seed that it takes it away. And in the book, he talks about the melancholy and the phlegmatic temperament that no doubt that there are some people in our culture, even sitting today, that that are having a really difficult time. And it's really hard. It's really difficult, if we're being honest, to receive a word of encouragement or to receive the gospel when it feels like we're being attacked, when it feels like our world is caving in. Now what i love about the melancholy temperament is that it is the most intelligent temperament of the four it's it's where we get our writers it's where we get our musicians it's where we get our poets but they feel deeply and when difficult times come in their life it's easy for them it's easy for me uh, to be swayed emotionally by what i feel like is caving in on me The phlegmatic temperament is is sort of similar. The phlegmatic temperament is is usually uh, the comics that you enjoy on Netflix or that you might listen to on the radio. I mean, they basically get paid to be a commentary on life with trying to make us laugh and doing so. And a phlegmatic person has a tendency that when difficult things are brought into their view, they tend to crack a joke. And they tend to diffuse the situation with using humor. Although it may be funny, it's oftentimes a sign uh, of their insecurity. And so when they're struggling, it's easy for the word of God to be planted in them, but to be also quickly, as Jesus teaches, to be plucked away. Because for them, really difficult, honest, true things are difficult for them to process. And then Jesus says there's a second response. It's where his message follows on rocky soil and the reason why it doesn't take root is because jesus says the the soil is actually shallow and in the book uh there's a temperament called the sanguine temperament now i'm not saying sanguines are shallow at all but what i am saying is Sanguins are very much extroverted life of the party. Let's go watch the movie. I don't want to sit down and spend four hours reading a book when I can accomplish something uh, in two hours by watching the movie. And you are if you are sanguine, you are all about the moment. And if you're a friend of a sanguine, you might be hurt because if you move away, you might not hear from them. But that's only because you're not in their circle of now. That doesn't mean that they don't like you or you know, like you or dislike you, it just means that you're not in their circle. And so for for people that are lives of the party, that everything is awesome, that everything has to be lived at an amplified level 24/7, and they hear a teaching from Jesus that is very uh, personal, uh, there's a weight to it. Jesus says for, for people that are not willing to go there and to think deeply and to process and to sit down, maybe even alone, Uh, with the scriptures opened, it's difficult for folks that are people people to sit down and process the teachings of Jesus uh, because when difficult things cross their mind, they would rather just go and be with people. They'd rather just do something light and fun. And so the seed doesn't take root. And the third response is a difficult one. Jesus says there's actually some seed that falls and the thorns actually choke it out. And one of the most difficult temperaments to live with, to have, possess, or to be married to or in a relationship with, is the choleric temperament. These are your drivers, your presidents, your generals. These are guys and gals that get things done. But Jesus says this kind of temperament is difficult to receive or to give a response because it's so married to their achievements. It's so married to their wealth. They're so married to their successes that when they hear a sermon or when they hear a teaching from Jesus, they're so quick to choke it out. Uh, Because for a choleric, it's difficult to follow a guy who says, if you want to follow me, you have to take up my cross. That, That the way home is not through dominance. It's not through assertion. It's actually through submission. And Jesus says, Those kinds of people have a difficult time responding to the way of growth because they would rather run their own agenda than following Jesus. Thirdly and finally, we talked about the way of growth requires good soil. It also requires a response. But there's an expectation with the sower. There's an expectation with the farmer that he gives us. Because thirdly, the way of growth requires impact. Jesus is expecting us to grow a crop. Jesus is, respect, is expecting us to have a good harvest. Jesus wants healthy churches, healthy people, and healthy marriages because healthy things grow, healthy things flourish. I mean, even in the, in the last verse of Mark chapter 4, he says Other, others like sown and good soil heal the word, accept it, and they produce a crop. Later uh, in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And so people have asked me, How do you grow in your faith? And the gift of Mark 4 is this I tell them, I, I don't. I don't do anything. I simply show up and make myself available to Jesus. In my relationship with Jesus, that's what grows me. He grows me. Sort of like when you meet with a good friend for coffee. It's a mentor-mentee sort of relationship, right? That being in the presence of someone else causes the growth, causes the, the change. Now, here's what I love about this parable. Jesus already gave it away at the beginning. The farmer casts out the seeds, and it falls on multiple multiple parts of the ground it's received well in some parts of the field it's not received well in others but then he says the farmer goes back and begins to sow the seed now i love that idea simply because jesus is almost giving us a second chance and for a lot of us an 80th chance and so it doesn't necessarily matter where the seed falls at its first hearing Jesus says, I'm gonna go back and then begin to work the ground. I'm going to begin to sow the seed. In other words, what he's saying is the way of impact starts with how are you gonna receive me? Do I have permission to be received by you? And if I do, and if you remain in me, I promise you, you will bear a good crop. You will produce an incredible harvest. You will bear fruit of the spirit that i'm going to put in you but what's critical what is so critical is that we leave this notion that i have to pray a lot i have to read my bible a lot because what jesus says is very true if you remain in me then i will grow you this is an effort that is done and completed not in our power but in the power of jesus if we're willing to lean into him Friends, in just a moment, I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to sing a song of declaration beginning this weekend and over the next couple of weeks. It's a song that is simply called, I'm not in a hurry. And I want you to sing these, these words to this song because it's a declaration to say, Jesus, I'm available. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a rush. I'm sensing your spirit that he wants to talk to me and he wants to grow me. I want to have good soil i want to have a response to you and i want to bear much fruit may you be reminded today that no matter the kind of soil you have jesus wants to plant his seed of hope in you and he wants to sow that seed in you and he wants to produce a crop in you for a preferred future that you would not have if you lived this life apart from him let's pray lord jesus we thank you so much for this teaching we thank you that growth is an invitation to be with you. It's not an invitation to, to do a bunch of other things hoping that you'll give us a standing ovation, but it's just simply an opportunity to be. Not to do, but to be. And so as we sing this next song, we invite your spirit to move in our church, in our marriages, uh, in, our, in, our, in our personal relationships and walks with you. May we see the way of growth as having a good culture, with a good response, and to have good fruit. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.